The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, January 28, 2022. I probably should have started talking loud before I started this podcast to get whatever was in my voice out of my voice. Welcome back to the CBS Sports I own college basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, leaky black Matt Norlander is here with me. And I want to start in the Big East because uh, two of the best stories in college basketball, I think, are happening right now in the Big East. In the preseason, uh, everybody had Villanova winning the league. And, and the Wildcats still might do it. That like might still be my pick. But they are not atop the league standings right now because Providence, with a 7-1 league record, is atop the league standings right now despite being picked 7th in the Big East preseason poll. Meantime, Marquette, hottest team in the league. Golden Eagles under first-year coach Shaka Smart have won seven straight games after being picked ninth in the Big East preseason poll. So, again, these are two of the best stories, not just in the Big East, but in the entire country. Deadleg, what do you make of what's happening right now in the Big East Conference? Well, I like that we've got some genuine intrigue here, GP. And, yeah, as we will preview this game, pick it, all that good stuff uh, in our segment later in the show. But why not, man? I mean, many years since, in the many years since the Big East reformed, when we got to the turn of February, uh, Villanova, you know, in command and the and the and was has been a clear cut uh, favorite to win the league. Not every year, but in many years. Right now, uh, it's certainly more of a toss up. Villanova does rate best in predictive metrics by a slightly comfortable margin, but still, um, from a record perspective, and if you've really watched what these teams have been able to do. It's been madly impressive. Marquette went from, you know, being around, it was 90th, 95th in Ken Palm in the early part of the season. As we speak here on Friday morning, Golden Eagles are 33rd. Providence, meantime, with a 17-2 record, because it got destroyed by an average Virginia team, and because it went to Marquette and lost by more than 30 points on the road, which, oh, by the way, was the start of the current Marquette win streak. It began back, you know, almost a month ago when uh, Shaka Smart's team just mutilated Providence. Uh, since those losses were so wide in terms of margin of defeat, and because Providence hasn't defeated some of the bad teams, uh, some of the bad teams more definitively, that's why they're still so low in, uh, in Ken Palm there. But uh, I would anticipate, even though Providence is expected to win against Marquette, I would anticipate the Friars will will nudge into the top forty here, uh, if it can, if they can beat Marquette on this weekend, and then they've got a road game against St. John's, win those, and they'll continue to move up. But I like it. It's not the best conference race in the country. I think the Big Ten's probably got the best because you got, I think, a legitimate five way chase for the number one spot, and I think that league is destined to have teams share the top of the ledger. The SEC is still pretty good, even though Auburn's got the lead. There's still enough there, and we'll get to Big Twelve SEC. Non-conference tilts in a bit. By the way, hello to YouTube if you're watching. Please. Hey, YouTube. 
please click the like button if you have not already. Feel free to chat. Toss a question or two, a comment. Nada can maybe throw that on the screen in the middle of the podcast to increase your uh, viewing experience. And thank you to everyone that continues to subscribe. Uh, we're trying to get to 3,000 subscriptions here maybe uh, within the next week or so. So thank you to everyone that's continued to do that. And thank you for joining us on a Friday morning. If you're listening on your phone into the weekend, well, we appreciate you all the same just as well. And thank you so much. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. We don't appreciate the phone people nearly as much anymore. No, I do actually. I'm still, I'm still with them. I'm still, I'm, I'm more than happy to do the podcast on video, uh, but I'm, I'm still the kind of person that listens to podcasts strictly on my phone. I'm not a watch podcast guy, so I appreciate the people that do, but the people that like to go oral only. A U R. That's A U R A L. Parish, get your mind out of the gutter. A U R A L. Oral only. Those are my people. Anyway. By, by the way, I get the same emails you get. We don't click the like button. We smash it. Like Brandon Davies would. Uh, however you like to handle the like button is, is is up to you. That's that's completely completely your call. As to your question. Hmm. What was my question? I don't know. You wanted to start in Big East. <laughs> Providence, Villanova, Marquette. Toss UConn in there. Xavier's fallen a little bit back. I'll still take Villanova to win the league, but I do enjoy the fact that, like, Providence right now, I think Palm has Providence on the two-line. And Marquette has gone from, this could be a pretty intriguing bubble team two weeks ago, to they're going to the tournament and will easily be a single-digit seed. And so Marquette registers as one of the more surprising teams in the country because it was picked ninth in the Big East in the preseason. Providence was picked seventh, and now they're in command, and uh, there's a wonderful game on tap for Sunday. It's for Sunday, not right. Saturday. I think if you're a fan of either team, you're aware of that, but the game got pushed today because up around these parts, GP, mm -hmm. now you're planning to go golfing on Sunday. Uh, right. I'm, I'm planning for 12 inches of snow, so they pushed this Saturday tip into Sunday uh out in providence so they will wait for the storm to clear and then they will hoop and tip off uh in providence on sunday afternoon. i'm glad you explained the situation with providence computer numbers because i have seen a lot of providence fans they're very angry with the computers <laughs> they feel they feel incredibly disrespected by the computers is <laughs> it's always uh what's the right word interesting to me when you get these people um, and it's not just Providence fans. I don't mean to make it out like that. It just happens to be Providence fans right now um, who get very angry with computer numbers and then um, fail to grasp why they are what they are. Like they ask questions like, what is wrong with this computer? And it's like, it's very easy to understand exactly what is why somebody's resume doesn't match up with their computer numbers. You win a lot of close games. Um, you get blown out in your losses. Um, you know, th that is the, the as you explained, the explanation for, you know, Providence not having computer numbers that match with its resume. The resume is terrific, by the way. Four and one in quadrant one, four and one in quadrant two, eight and two in the first two quadrants, uh, 17 and two overall. It is true that they have um, taken advantage and give them credit for taking advantage, but they have taken advantage of some, um, advantageous situations. You know, they played Wisconsin without Johnny Davis. Um, they played UConn without Adama Sonogo. So they got to play Wisconsin and UConn. Both those teams were missing their, their best player. Um, that That's helpful. But, you know, whatever. Take advantage of the situations that you're in. That team is doing it. But um, 
the resume clearly doesn't match the computers and you, you don't have to wonder why or, um, or, or, or be angry at the computers. It just, uh, as they say, it is what it is. It is what it is right now, by the way. Um, Pomeroy is the, is, is the most, uh, discriminatory against PC 40, uh, 46, 47 BPI has got Providence at 39. Sagarin's got him at 36 Torvix also got them at 36 but i will say this uh torvik also has the ability to sort by wins above bubble which is a metric where it's how many more wins against your schedule have you achieved than the average bubble team would and right now here are the top five teams in the country versus their schedule again you know think of it as a, a it's not exactly this but it's similar in concept to if we have baseball fans that are clued into the podcast and shouts to the people that might love baseball and then swoop right into college basketball season, and then go right into baseball season. Those are the, uh, the sunrise sunset sports on the calendar. Uh, the war stat with baseball wins above replacement player similar. So here are your top five teams in the country in wins above bubble this year. Again, according to uh, Torvik's sortable metric on his site, do you know how to sort wins above bubble on the site GP? I've never tried it. But okay. I, I'm, I'm confident I could figure it out. I've, I've been spending most of my free time mastering Wordle. Okay, there we. Did you get the word today? Haven't played yet, but two okay. nights. But the night before, so yesterday, third try. Nice. No one be a jerk. Don't spoil it in the chat. It took me six tries. Got a few friends that, uh, well, they're maniacs with this, and and they do it in like the six a.m. hour, and I'm never up before seven a.m. So every That's time I wake nice. up, yeah, no. Got the best wife in the world. I never have to get up before 7 a.m. So I'm waking up to text messages every morning from two or three friends that do the Wordle in the 6 a.m. hour. And all of them, it took them six tries to get this. To, it took me six tries as well. So it's not like an absurdly tough word, but it's a little, a little tricky. That's all. Um, anyway, wins above bubble. Top five teams. Best performance against their schedule this season. Auburn is one. Kansas is two. Baylor is three. Wisconsin is four. The Providence Friars are number five. So against what they've played, that goes to show you that even though from a predictive standpoint at this point, Providence is not viewed as a top 30 team by any predictive metric, it has still performed well. That's a different, you're evaluating the team through a different kind of lens. Um, if you're curious about the back end of that, six is Purdue, seven is UCLA, eight is Arizona, nine is LSU, and then 10 is is Gonzaga. I think this is a lot of fun. I was actually going to go to the Marquette Providence game had it been on Saturday, but it got put and there had there not been snow, but it got pushed. We will obviously have to podcast on Sunday and you got the NFC and AFC championship game. So I'm going to uh, stay tight at home, uh, take care of the snow in my driveway and watch from afar. But that's a big time game and it'll be huge news for either team because if Providence can win on Sunday, and again, we will pick this game for formal purposes once we get to the final four and one. If the Friars can win, they will get to 18 and two. They haven't been this good this deep in the schedule from a record standpoint, GP in 45 seasons. And I don't believe I thought I saw this scroll across the screen when they won uh, against Xavier the other night. I don't think Providence has ever started seven and one in Big East play. I think I saw that on the TV screen. Uh, they'll be eight and one, still in command of the conference if they can do that. Uh, and then staring down a couple of winnable games that are on the road after that. They will have St. John's and then Georgetown. Meanwhile, if Marquette can win, uh, it would move to 16 and six, extend its winning streak to eight consecutive games, move to eight and three in the Big East, and then become a viable contender to actually win the Big East regular season championship by pure nature of getting this win. It would mark three wins in their past four games that came on the road, Villanova and Seton Hall being the other ones there. So 
nothing but the you know huge ups for our our guy Shaka because he's been phenomenal so far this season. And Justin Lewis has moved into the discussion for for Big East Player of the Year. I think after what he was able to do the other night, I just don't think it's deniable at this point. Justin Lewis uh, was off the radar heading into the season. Second year players now averaging 16.6 points, eight rebounds, uh, two assists a game, more than a steal a game. Um, he's been awesome. Now, Tyler Kolek's been great leading that offense as well. Daryl Morsell, I voted him one of the top 15 defenders in the country when I had to do my midseason defensive player of the year rankings earlier this week. So they've got a lot of pieces, but in, in my opinion, it has been Lewis above anyone else. I think he's been as impactful as anyone on Villanova, uh, Nate Watson, or anyone else on Providence, it's been uh, it's been an awesome story. And I think Marquette fans got to be over the moon at this point because they were. I remember. I re- listen. I remember a year ago, not even a year ago, when we were talking about Marquette and Steve Wojciechowski and would he leave, would he not leave, and I did not sense that he would that he would be exiting after the end of last season. Obviously, that was an incorrect call. Marquette wound up um, floundering a bit down the stretch, but it wasn't brutal. They actually won four of their final five regular season games to end the season last season, and then they were one and done. They got embarrassed in the Big East tournament by Georgetown, and that just led to a change there, and that was clearly the right move. Shaka Smart seems like a wonderful fit, and he's outperforming in year one. He's been one of the three or four best New face, new place kind of coach up there with the likes of a of a Tommy Lloyd, TJ Otzelberger, you name it. Uh, and part of that is expectation. You know, Otzelberger, even Ben Johnson at Minnesota, we'll see if they wind up getting the tournament or not. But these were teams that were not projected to do well in the first season under the new coach. And now Marquette is more than doing well. I mean, Marquette looks like if you watch them play, I've, I've seen like five or past six games. If you watch what they are actually doing on the on the floor to these teams, they are looking sweet 16 level. They Like I. I'm I love these kind of plot twists that the season always provides us across the country with different kinds of teams and credit to Shaka Smart and that staff. They have been able to uncover something here and I don't think it's fool's gold. Yes, Marquette's going to lose a couple more games, but no reason to believe this team will be anything other than a single digit seed by the time we get to the NCAA tournament. The 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 resume has a few warts on it, but whatever, man. You are ride with it, house money situation, and this is one of the two or three best games of the weekend as far as I'm concerned on Sunday, uh, Golden Eagles at Friars. You mentioned wins above bubble. It almost lines up um, exactly with strength of record right now. Um, if you focus on strength of record, Auburn is one, Baylor is two, Kansas is three, Wisconsin is four, and Providence is five. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for that game. Uh, on Sunday, and you missed. You mentioned uh, Justin Lewis for Marquette. Just some more details on him. He's averaging sixteen point six eight rebounds per game, sixteen point six points, eight point zero rebounds per game. He's a six seven sophomore who is shooting forty four point three percent from three, starting to get some NBA attention. Like he was a borderline top one hundred guy coming out of high school, class of two thousand twenty. He was the other guy in the Dawson Garcia class. And now he's the star um, at Marquette. Had 33 uh, against uh, Seton Hall, averaging 23 in his past four games. Hit the game winner uh, at Villanova. He, he's been terrific. And then on the other side, uh, you spent some time on Shaka, who is obviously doing a, a terrific job. Ed Cooley also doing a terrific job with this team. This is a guy, I think most people know the story. You know, grew up in Providence, so he's coaching in his hometown. And um, has obviously had opportunities to leave, but has you know stayed um, right there at home. And I, I know that, like, because I saw Ed talking about this the other night, 
words like lucky have been thrown around. Like, ah, Providence has been lucky. I, I, I hesitate to use that word. I think Providence has been fortunate in some cases, as previously noted. They got to play Wisconsin when Johnny Davis wasn't there. They got to play uh, UConn when uh, Sonoga wasn't there. Um, those are f- fortunate um, situations. But I don't necessarily um, assign winning close games to luck. I, I mean, I know that there that 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 is a factor that comes into. I, I, I get it, but I, I I just think we talk all the time about coaches who have lost their teams or aren't connected with their teams or something's wrong. And it just seems like Ed is really connected with this team. I love the way he talks about them. Um, over the week, last weekend, I guess they were playing Butler, maybe on FS1, a Sunday afternoon, maybe. And I was watching that and they're down in the second half and they've got a, they've got a camera in the huddle and just um, the, how calm he was in that huddle and how good he was in that huddle, I thought was really impressive. And it said something, uh, it said something about him. And it, it, I think his calmness trickles throughout that team. In fact, earlier this week in studio, CBS Sports Network, we had Renee Montgomery in with us for the first time, who is awesome, by the way. And she and I were talking about this and she's like, you know, but, but, I'm always hesitant to to speak on things like, you know, that really works well with players because I wasn't a basketball player. You know, I I never been in a basketball huddle in my life. I mean, I have as a sideline reporter, but not as a player. And I was like, so I was asking Renee about it because, you know, she's a a, a former UConn star, WNBA champion, the whole deal. And she was like, no, no, no. When you're in this tense moment and your coach is tense, you can get tense. If your coach is calm, you can stay calm. and in this moment against Butler, um, they're down in the second half, and it's just like everybody take a deep breath. Everybody, like, there's no yelling, there's no screaming, there's no cussing. Everybody take a deep breath. He actually like then went like, "Do it with me, everybody, do it with me." Let's take a deep breath. We're fine. We're at home. There's a lot of time left on this clock. We're going to be fine. We're going to win this game. And then the team goes out and they're just settled and composed. And then they go knock that out. And then after um, the win earlier this week, an incredible win at Xavier, um, you know, the post-game interview, he was just talking about his team. And there's just little words that he, he talks about them really fondly. You can tell he loves coaching this team. And, and this is a little thing that maybe I only notice, but when he talks about his players, he calls them men. I'm really proud of our men. I'm, I love the way our men are playing right now. You get so many coaches talking about kids, or even media members talking about kids. I always like, again, small thing, but I always roll. They're not kids. I have kids. These are men. You want to call them young men? That's fine. But, you know, the, no, no college basketball coach is actually coaching kids. And yet people throw around the word kid all the time. They're men. Young men, perhaps. I think I heard a Joe Burrow kid reference in the past couple of days, too. Yeah, it's just like, stop it. My man's a game away from the Super Bowl. (laughs) Yeah, they're not kids. And Ed doesn't talk about them like they're kids. He doesn't refer to them as kids. When he was talking about his team after the win this week, he said, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm I'm really proud of, of our men. 
I'm really proud of um, the way our men handled that situation. Um, I don't know. It just seems like they got something really clicking the right way. All over the country, there are places where things just have gone sideways for a variety of reasons. And at Providence, I, I really think you could argue that they um, could not have been going better. And sure, some of that is fortunate situations that they've taken advantage of, whatever. Uh, most of it is because they got a damn good coach. Um, some really good players, and they've connected and come together really, really well. All right, before we wrap and move to the next topic, just in talking to the Big East about it uh, at large here, Villanova's 15-5, has lost one game since December 17th. That was at home to Marquette. So Nova sitting at 8-2 and in the league. Uh, it opened its season with a loss at Creighton, so it started 0-1, and then the other loss was against Marquette. Um, we're not going to preview or pick this game. Villanova will play St. John's at home on Saturday, so Nova should probably move to 9-2 and uh, over the over the weekend. And then on Wednesday, it will play at Marquette. We might do a quick little talk on that on the Sunday episode, setting up for what could obviously influence the league standings. And then UConn's still in at 14-4 and four on a four-game winning streak, sits at 5-2 and two in the conference. Obviously, there still needs to be some uh, some dates that need to be added in terms of conference play overall. But UConn's still in there. But those it's one of those four teams that's going to finish atop the standings if it's not shared. It will be UConn, Nova, Marquette and Providence. And so good on the Big East, which right now uh, is, is I think, relatively easily uh, moving toward five NCAA tournament bids. And I think that six is on the table. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So since we last recorded, it became official. Chris Mack is out at Louisville. Dead leg, I believe you were the first to report uh, the buyout number. First place I saw it uh, of $4.8 million. Let's stop there for a second. Is that about what you thought he'd get? Yeah, inter- I, I kind of wondered internally. Um, I, I thought it. I honestly thought it'd be like a little over five. So yeah, basically in that in that range. And you know, clearly, I think that uh, Chris Mack wanted about six, and Louisville didn't want to pay him six. And uh, I will note, by the way, Jeff Greer, who does a wonderful job reporting on Louisville and has for a long time, uh, just one small piece of information that I think is important to know. And I had heard stuff on this, but he's you know he has sourced this. Um, this came up, but this was catalyzed by Chris Mack. Chris Mack was the one who actually uh, instigated, if you want uh, to describe it that way, uh, the severing, the parting of ways there. So I, there was probably, you know, a couple of indications and conversations before it actually got to that point. But after the loss against Virginia, um, Greer reported that Mack was actually the one that said, you know what, for all parties here, let's just let's try and find a way to make this work. So credit to Greer for getting that information and uh, and reporting it out using multiple sources. That was kind of my indication, but I wasn't absolutely sure I wanted to, to wait on that. And so what we've had here, oh, by the way, is that Mark Turgeon did the same thing. Mark Turgeon 
in early December said, I'm done. Uh, we got to figure this out. Chris Mack has done the same thing as well. Let, let, let me stop you here for a second. And I don't mean to interrupt, but I think this is interesting to touch on. Uh, by the way, I was told the same thing, that this was initiated by Chris. Um, he might not have been back for next season, no matter what, given how badly this season was going to go. But the reason he's not coaching Louisville this weekend is largely because he decided this is this is not enjoyable anymore. What does it say about whatever that we've now had two coaches instigate conversations with their schools and said uh, initiate conversations with their schools and say, um, I don't this. I can't do this anymore. This isn't fun anymore. This isn't enjoyable. This is miserable. Um, let's 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 figure out a way to 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 separate and both parties move on. It's now happened at two programs, two big programs this season. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying this is the only reason, but I'm I'm saying that if 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 these coaches were at their, you know, if we just, you know, could if you could have a way to go back 15 years ago and they're the same ages coaching the same programs and the passionate fan bases are still there, but these things aren't around, I don't know if this happens. Just I think so much that goes into how much attention is paid to the phones and all that and social media, I think it just exacerbates it. It's not the only reason. But I think that's actually, you know, our, our modern culture and how we react and how fan bases, uh, frankly, uh, can use social media. And also, but there are other factors. They weren't filling up the building. It was, you know, and that, that gets basketball is a very intimate sport in terms of uh, participation of the crowd, the fan base. The players are right there. It's not the same as football where even, you know, the crowds are bigger, but you even got a little bit of separation. Um, so I think that's that's part of it. And also, I think Maryland and Louisville's fan base, I mean, you're talking about two of the 15 probably I, I, almost every fan base at the power conference level is passionate. I get that. But if you actually really break it down, I think that Terps fans, Cardinals fans, they just, they easily rank in the, the 15 most fervent. And when things aren't going right, they're going to be extremely vocal. Every fan base is going to be vocal, not happy with losing that just the certain fan bases will take it to another level. And I think that also was a factor. I don't think there's any doubt. Social media plays a role in this, you know, 20 years ago, you're coaching, things aren't going well. Here's the truth. Most people are nice to your face, even if they disapprove of your job performance. Um, I, I say this all the time. There's not a day that passes, a day, where somebody doesn't criticize me on social media for whatever reason, usually because I, I ranked their team somewhere they didn't like. Um there's not a day that passes that that doesn't happen to me, that somebody doesn't say Gary Parrish sucks or Gary Parrish is an idiot or Gary Parrish is biased or Gary Parrish is whatever. Um, I can count on one hand how many times somebody has actually been mean to my face. Like see me at a restaurant, see me walking down the street and actually said something critical to my face. One hand, probably. More often, if people say, ooh, is that if they would want a selfie as opposed to say something mean. Um, but man, the social media, it can get overwhelming. Um, especially for a coach at a struggling basketball program the size of Maryland and Louisville. And I guess you can avoid it all, but it's very, very difficult. Because even when you're not looking at these things, somebody, for whatever reason, is anxious to tell you that they exist. Like there's sometimes somebody, 
send me something and they'll be like, Hey, I heard about this, uh, man, really. So, and I'm like, what do you, I don't even know what you're talking about. And they're like, well, I saw on Facebook that this, this, I, I didn't see it. I didn't know that first off, it's not true. And secondly, I didn't even know it was there. Then you go, it's just like people will tell you, Oh man, I, I saw you getting pummeled on Twitter. Even if you're a coach trying to stay away from it. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I saw you, I saw what people were saying on Twitter. Well, I didn't, but thanks for bringing it up. And then maybe you go look at it. And now it, it I, I do think social, like I saw a thing the other day, Sydney Sweeney, you know, Sydney Sweeney. I do not. She's my favorite actress now. All right. She's uh, in euphoria. Okay. And so, uh, never seen it. Euphoria is wonderful. Okay. And Sydney Sweeney is a great actress. All right. And so I was, uh, I don't know. She did. She was on James Corden the other night. I was like, I'd like to see Sydney Sweeney's appearance on James Corden. And I'm not doing anything else on this plane. So I'll go find Sydney. So I'll, I'll watch that. And, uh, then of course that leads you to other Sydney Sweeney YouTube videos. It so does. now, so okay. now, so now my entire uh, YouTube is like uh, I own college basketball and Sydney Sweeney. All right. And uh, I, there's a video and it says uh, Sydney Sweeney uh, is crying on Instagram live, and I'm like, oh no, what happened? And it turns out she was trending one night for being ugly. Sydney Sweeney is ugly. Was trending on Twitter. And by the way, she's not ugly, but she was jumped on Instagram live and was like, I just, I don't know why people are being so mean. This is so hurtful. And she's crying because strangers are telling her she's ugly. Google her. Right. She's so clearly not ugly. And I and think take we, your word for it. You, Google her. You're going to want to Google her. And so, like, I, I guess my very the point long is that this this living in living like this was not actually something that affected people. Was not the reality of our world until essentially, you know, in the past decade, and really in the past five or six years, it's been accelerated in a lot of ways, and it can affect a lot of people that are in the public eye. Uh, and when you look at a, a head coach in a spot like Chris Mack or Mark Turgeon was in when the fan base hangs on every single game, then it becomes even more pressurized. It becomes even more toxic. It becomes, uh, in, in plenty of instances, even more inappropriate. And it's not a healthy way to live. You know, even if you try and block out a lot of it, you know plenty of it's there. And then all, oh, by the way, your family has to deal with it. He has, you right. know, Smack has young children. He has a son who, I think, you know, is grade school age. I think one of his daughters might still be in another one who's either in middle school or getting ready to go into high school. And so, yeah, these things have real impacts on, on the family as a whole. And so, yeah, we've got, you know, not to get totally sidetracked on this, but we have a long way that we need to, as a society, as a world, as a global community, we need to do a lot better to make sure this kind of stuff doesn't, uh, you know, completely just wreck our collective, you know, mental health. Cause I think it has huge negative impacts, but in, in terms of where it is with, college basketball men's college basketball major significant sports yeah it's a it's a real uh it's a real danger by the way i did see not a jumped in the chat i do the same thing you can quality filter your mentions gp i do that as well so if like you know anything that's aggressive threatening uses language that is uh the algorithm as determined isn't productive you can quality filter out those things and you'll never see them so i don't know if you do that already but i would highly recommend it because it, it, it improves your experience i want to see it Oh gosh. Okay. All right. All right. So you're a masochist. All right, fine. 
I want to see it. But uh, have I ever been uh, not depressed? But has 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 social media stuff ever made me go, "Ugh, that didn't." I didn't like reading that so much. And it's never like, uh, you know, the stuff like, oh, you're an idiot for ranking UCLA too high. Like, I don't care about that. <laughs> but like the stuff that hurts is the stuff that like hits a sensitive spot. And when uh, you see something like that, it can bother you. My point is this. If if you can make Sydney Sweeney think she's ugly, what can you do to Chris Mack or Mark Turgeon or some other basketball coach? Yeah. And I do, And I do think that plays a role in this like, this isn't fun anymore. That's the way somebody described it to me, the Chris Mack situation, is that uh, he reached a point where it wasn't fun. He reached a point where it wasn't enjoyable. And I know, you know, uh, as he was unpacking his office or packing up his office, um, he, you know, spoke with the local media and they were like, you know, do you expect the coach again next season? He was like, yeah, you know, we, we'll see. I'm not sure he's going to jump right back in. Right. Uh, um, if you, you His know, Twitter bio reads retired coach at the moment, by the way. Yeah. Like, um, I'm not sure he's going to be back in next season or, or anytime soon. Now he's so young that I, I would never rule out him coaching again, but I, you know, Chris is a guy and it's, I've, I've read some of these stories and I'm not disputing any of the reporting, but like the sort of painting him as a hard to get to know person or, a um, you know, a, 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 a hard, uh, personality. And that, that may be true for some people. Again, I'm not disputing the reporting at all, but like, that's not the Chris Mack. I know the Chris Mack. I know is funny laid back. Like, I don't, I don't know. I've never had a hard conversation with Chris Mack. Right. And, um, you know, the Chris Mack I see is, you know, we'd be standing at baggage claim in Las Vegas and he's got his kids with him. Like he was like one of the few coaches who would bring his kids on recruiting trips. And um, I, I don't like, I think he values family a, a lot. And, you know, if you reach a point where your jobs, uh, this probably goes for everybody. If you reach a point where your job's not fun and you have the money to not do that job anymore, uh, probably best to not do that job anymore. And so I do think his children are at an age where these are real, you know, never get them back years. And I think he's going to enjoy focusing on that. And I don't know that he's real anxious to, to get back in. I, I would put it at less than 50% that he's coaching college basketball next season. I'd put it at 90% plus he's not coaching in college basketball next season. That's my read. Um, I did a YouTube. If anyone's watching now or listening to the podcast and was unaware, if you're not already subscribed to the YouTube, by the way, if you're watching, Please smash the like button. Get those likes up. We appreciate you. Um, I did a YouTube-only 15-minute video after it became official on, was that Wednesday? It must have been. And uh, so I went through some of my names. But GP, I want to hear yours. So I already did mine. Like, if you want to go watch, go find it on the YouTube channel. You can go, you can watch it. Um, a little 15-minute reaction in real time while GP was uh, on set and preparing for that night on CBS Sports Network. So now this is your time. Your floor, floor is yours. Just a few names to you that um, that you think would either, you know, make sense. Just uh, just a couple more as we get ready to move into February and clearly understanding that 
with the possible exception of I would think you're going to mention Kenny Payne. If Kenny Payne were to leave the New York Knicks midseason and Louisville wanted to do that in season, not that he would join and start coaching in season, but make the move on that. Every other sitting head coach, obviously, or candidate is not going to, you know, that decision not being made until March. So who, uh, who are a few of your guys who you think make the most sense for Louisville to both make a phone call to and could be realistic and maybe landing to be the successor to Chris Matt? Well, let's just bounce through some names. And these aren't necessarily my names, but they're names that are getting thrown out there a lot. Let's start with Bruce Pearl because that name has been out there. There's reports that he's interested in the job. And then there's reports that Louisville wouldn't even be interested in him. Yes. And, I, and I'm I, reporting that, by the way, that I've, I've reported and I followed it up. Sorry to interrupt you, but I've said it on that video on YouTube. And then there was some report that Louisville might be interested. I followed up again, and literally the source said, I have it on a text. Give me one second. I'm going to read you the text word for word from the source. Um, zero chance Louisville has reached out to anyone right now. Anyway, and that's a pretty good source. Go yeah. Um, and by the way, you can interrupt me whenever you want. You're like 3,000 interruptions behind me at this point. <laughs> I know, but whatever. <laughs> you're rolling. Go ahead. Um, with Bruce, I, I think the reality is ultimately going to be um, Louisville not comfortable hiring him because of past NCAA issues, and it has a IARP case hanging above its head. I, I think the 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 truth is ultimately going to be Louisville doesn't like. Do the people at Louisville understand that in a vacuum, Bruce Pearl would probably be amazing at Louisville? Sure, I'm sure they understand that. Can they hire him? Probably not. And I think ultimately where we're going to get is Louisville was never going to hire Bruce Pearl. And how about this? And Bruce Pearl was never going to take Louisville. But he'll use it to get, as he should, um, everything he wants and more at Auburn. And that is, uh, at, at some point in the next six months, Bruce Pearl, maybe even the next two months, Bruce Pearl will sign a contract extension with Auburn. Because... You know, if you are unemployed and you take the Auburn job and the Louisville job and you put them on a table, exact same contracts, which job you want, basically everybody would take the Louisville job. The Louisville job is clearly better than the Auburn job. But once you've already built Auburn into what Auburn is, I, I, I don't know why you would leave Auburn for Louisville, especially under these circumstances. Like when Bruce got the Auburn job, there was he had some big questions about it. I mean, he took it because he believed in himself and 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 believed he could get it done. But I went to visit him at Auburn a few months after he got the job. And I just remember him wondering, like, you know, we'll see. You know, like, this is hard. Not a lot of history here. This is going to be – he said, this will be harder to get to a good place than it was for me to get Tennessee to a good place. You know, the questions are, can you recruit here? You know, can you recruit? You're in a league with Kentucky. You're in a league with some heavy hitters. Can you recruit here? That was a question he had. Can you win here? If you can't win here, can you make people care here? All these questions existed once upon a time. Those questions don't exist anymore. Can you recruit here? Yeah. You got two McDonald's All-Americans starting in your front court. You might have the number one pick in the draft. You can recruit at Auburn. Um, you've got the Atlanta recruiting base uh, an hour and a half away. Okay, but can you win here? Well, sure. You've been to the 2019 Final Four. You're ranked number one in the country right now. Okay, but if you win here, can you make people care here? Dude, I was there last week. They care. Every game, sold out. Place as good as it gets. So when you've got all of that stuff, and Auburn can pay you whatever you need, they can give you all the private planes you want. They're about to build a new practice facility. Um, I, I just don't know why you would leave that 
for Louisville under these circumstances. So I think ultimately, like, the list starts below Bruce Pearl for reasons um, uh, that both sides have. After that, honestly, I would pick up the phone and call Mick Cronin just to see if he wants, like, hey, do you hate sunshine and 72 every day? Not I'm, not sa- I'm, not, I'm not saying I know you would do it. I'm just, again, if you didn't watch the video, it's not happening. But, yes, I know you got to say it, but I'm just – I'm just running through the names that have been tossed out there. I would at least see, like, hey, what, if this UCLA season spiraled and they get they lose to Abilene Christian in the opening round of the NCAA tournament, I'd at least pick up the phone. And then he would tell me, I'm not leaving Southern California. And you'd say, okay, just wanted to check. Uh, um, I would pick up the phone and call Chris Holtman, see if he wants to come back to his home state. He'd probably tell me he doesn't. But I would at least – um, make that phone call. So I think the, you're going to see some big names like that and they'll pass quietly. And then Louisville ends up with, I'm going to give you three names right now. And I'm going to say one of these people is going to be the next Louisville coach. Andy Enfield, Kevin Willard, Kenny Payne. Kenny Payne, most likely. Don't see Andy Enfield. Um, give me. Here's my top three. Give me Kenny Payne one, Steve Forbes two, Chris Holtman three. That's my top three. Could you get Could you get Holtman to seriously consider it? I don't know if you could get him to seriously consider it. You'd have to really pay him a ton. I know his buyout is not a lot. That's why I say, like, I think Chris Holtman's buyout right now is less than two million dollars. I don't know if he's leaving Ohio State to go to Louisville. He actually grew up in Lexington. Right. And his name has been there. And, you know, a relatively big group of guys like, okay, if Calipari retires five years from now, who might make sense? And Chris Holtman's in that group with the likes of, like, you know, maybe a Mark Pope and whatever the hot coach would be. Kentucky, you know, swings big. Maybe Brad Stevens is done with the NBA, which won't be the case. But regardless, um, I don't know if he'd do it, to be honest. Um, Ohio State has plenty going for it, but it also isn't a basketball first school. But Kenny Payne played there. Knows the area has recruited to Kentucky, obviously. Uh, he is my favorite right now. And then I just don't know why you don't take a serious look at Steve Forbes because, and I said this on the YouTube video as well, I had someone tell me that Steve Forbes is about as close as you can get in terms of personality and handling the pressure to Bruce Pearl as as any coach out there right now. And, like, Steve Forbes, like, you know, he's hopping on a, a damn motorcycle to promote Wake Forest home games. Like he's just built for it. And he has flipped a Wake Forest irrelevant program into a team that is going to be in contention for the top three of the ACC and probably going to make the NCAA tournament. I'm not saying he's going not. I'm not saying he wants to go. Haven't, you know, talked on or off record about for with Forbes about any of this stuff. But I'm just saying, like, you look across in the league and see what he's been able to do. I think it just it it makes some sense. But Kenny Payne would be my my guess as of today is Kenny Payne. A lot of people going to push for Kenny Payne to get that job, and I think Kenny Payne would want that. Well, this is what somebody in the industry uh, told me is that you know Louisville is uh, doesn't have a full time president right now, doesn't have a full time athletic director right now, and that could leave a void where former players, alums have a big voice that can influence. Yes. And if that's the case, it could lead to Kenny Payne actually getting the job. Um, I agree with you, by the way. I would take a serious look at Steve Forbes as well. Um, and I, I think Forbes is closer 
and I'm not speaking for anybody. I'm just strictly looking at the Wake Forest is a hard job. Um, I, you know, I, that's one that, that that's one that seems gettable to me. Um, you know, Kevin Willard seems gettable to me. Kenny Payne, obviously gettable. And I think Andy Enfield, maybe. Uh, more yeah, good. Feel like Enfield's got more buzz from Maryland right now. Yeah. He's from that area. I'm not saying that he's going to Maryland or he's the final. I'm just, if Andy Enfield leaves, I see Maryland more likely. Like Andy Enfield's like, you got to, there's a lot that comes with the Louisville job. I'd say there's even more that comes with the Louisville job than the Maryland job. And I don't know if Andy Enfield is like a really good fit for Louisville. But I don't know. By the way, USC lost, not that this matters whatsoever, but just as, as a note, USC lost at home and has actually was swept by Stanford this season. Didn't see that coming. Late night West Coast result there. Trojans dropped one uh, against. Uh, and Andy Hitfield and Kevin Willer both 0-1 since the Louisville job open. It's not good. Actually, Seton Hall has been kind of on a, yeah. on, a uh, on a downturn there. <laughs> I saw somebody tweet that uh, at the game the other night when Marquette was bombing them. A fan yelled, take the Louisville job, Kevin. <laughs> which is, I don't know what John Fanta was doing. That was really which, inappropriate. Which, yeah. is, which is mean. It circles back to that. It's That's mean. Don't do that. Andy and Phil might not be gettable, but more gettable than, say, Mick Cronin, who's also in Southern California, because, I mean, lots of reasons. But do you really leave UCLA the year before Mar Bailey's mom shows up? Okay. I don't know if you do. It's I something don't. you got to think about. She's thick, boy. She's thick. Before we get to Final Four and One, just a couple of quick Thursday night notes I wanted to hit on because there was some WCC noise. St. Mary's erased a 23-point deficit to beat San Francisco on the road. It's not good for the Dons. Dons, Dons have now dropped games at home against uh, St. Mary's. Was it BYU was the other one? I think that's it because they haven't played Gonzaga yet. Not good. Todd Golden's team thought to be an NCAA tournament team. Uh, has they're, they they got to play BYU on the road upcoming, and they're going to need to steal probably one or two against BYU St. Mary's. So, um, great job on St. Mary's to come back. But that was, uh, I know you're sleeping, so I'm actually informing you as much as I might be. No, I'm aware of everything you're saying, but yes, I was sleeping. Okay, fair enough. Um, Santa Clara also in the WCC. Santa Clara won on a buzzer beater. A guy named Jalen Williams, big time. Um. He had like 20 plus points in that game. There were 22 lead changes, 12 ties, and the game was actually tied for eight minutes and 25 seconds of game time. The lead was never larger than four points on either side. I, I, this qualifies as actually one of the best games of the season. The lead's never more than four for either team. 22 times it's flipped, the lead changed. That's phenomenal. Good on Santa Clara. Uh, that's a home win. BYU takes a loss there. Four-bid WCC, maybe just in a little bit of peril. Um, and oh, by the way, UAB won again. Dude named Jelly Walker. How much <laughs> are you loving that name? Jelly Walker. Winning shot, closing seconds on CBS Sports Network. Andy Kennedy's team is 7-1 and one in Conference USA, 17-4 and four overall. And while it does have work to do, if if UAB can get to Selection Sunday, with only five losses, and that's not an automatic bid, it's going to be an at-large. If it's only five, if it's six, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, UAB is actually at loss two, the San Francisco Dons. But just a couple of off-radar. I wanted to give a little bit of, of mid-major love. And, uh, oh, by the way, the Towson-Delaware game on Thursday got suspended because there were unsafe. No. The uns middle of the game. No, no, no. Middle of the game they stopped. Towson-Delaware. Suspended due to unsafe playing conditions. 
1842 to go in the game. Delaware's up 3829. They're going to resume it at a future date. So this is like a once every five years kind of thing where for whatever reason, a game gets going and then it has to stop in the middle, maybe even more than that. Once every seven to eight to 10 years, but keep your, keep your eyes peeled for that Towson Delaware resumption. Blue Hen's going to be holding this 38, 29 lead literally for days, if not weeks. So that's, uh, that's, that's Thursdays to know. Oh, by the way, Purdue won, you know, big set win. I wanted to get a little off, off the radar love. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are we are we ready for the final four and one? We'll be ready once Nada updates the standings. Nada, what do you have? What are the records? I believe I took, you, you. I took you, the lead last week. I believe that's my understanding. Did not, sir. Unfortunately, you didn't take the lead. You're getting closer to 500. You are 20 and 22. Norlander just happens to be 25 and 17. Mm. 25 and 17, you say? Okay. Oh, I like that mug, though. You only know what I'm talking about if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button. Brandon Davies would do it. Um, seriously, hit the hit the damn like button. Uh, you're you were just sitting there. Just just smash it. You have nothing else to do. I'm trying to drink coffee, do a final four and one, find a new Baylor player's name because I forgot to do it last night. I got a Absolutely. lot of I got a lot of stuff going on right now. How about how about the how about this? Let's do a little live interaction. Uh, let's have the listeners in the chat submit a bunch of Baylor names. Nada can throw in our private chat. He can throw three or four of his favorites, and then by the time we get to the podcast, Parrish will have picked one. I've already got one. Uh, I tried. I tried, folks. But you can let people pick, and then you can. I mean, we could trick them into thinking it's going to okay. matter. You can just trick them. Just trick them. Let's pick these games. Ready? I'm ready. Game one, Saturday. 12.30 p.m. Eastern, Michigan at number 10, Michigan State, inside the Mateen Cleave Center. Kimpom has it, Michigan State, minus five. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. I think I remember people saying they hated that music when you did this. Nah, we're going, we're going bumper music. I'm bringing it back. I think I remember people saying they hate it. <sighs> Is that a good, a good level for you? Sounds like it. All right. Pray. All right. So this is this is a CBS game. America's most watched network. Um Michigan showing some life as of right. Demolished okay. Indiana. Sparty though. Knocked out, knocked out, knocked out the internet throughout the state of Indiana. Mm -hmm. So that was an interesting development. 
I, I don't have a good feel on Sparty, man. Like, this is the most, of the five that we have, this is the one I'm most uncertain of. Give me Michigan to cover, Michigan State to win. We'll get a nice close one, a tight one on CBS. Um, would love to see what, you know, if we can get some more consistent play out of Max Christie. I The more that moves along, he seems just more key to what uh, Michigan State's all about. He needs a big game. Hunter Dickinson, by the way, has come into his own plenty as of late. He's been he's been improved, and he'll need to be big in this one here. But I and I think he'll play well. Uh, Michigan State wins, but Michigan covers. I'll take Michigan State minus five, but I don't feel great about it. Michigan State they win at Wisconsin, woohoo! Then lose to shorthanded Illinois. What are we doing? Max Christie, by the way, one of eight from the field. At Illinois, two points, three turnovers. I thought he was starting to figure it out, and maybe he is, but he didn't have anything figured out uh, in, in that one. Like, I was thinking about this earlier. Like, he's supposed to be one of the best freshmen in the country, and, you know, maybe he is. What what other great freshmen aren't doing two points in 31 minutes? He did two points in 31 minutes uh, against Illinois. He's obviously got to be better, probably needs to be better if Michigan State's actually going to cover that minus five um, against Michigan. Game two! Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern, number 12, Kentucky at number five, Kansas, inside the Embiid Wiggins Fieldhouse. They both get it named after him. All-star game starters. I saw you tweet it. Yeah, I guess the running theory is that um, I think I could – my facts have not been checked here. I think a member of BTS or some popular K-pop group – tweeted about Andrew Wiggins earlier in the month and said, let's make this guy an NBA all-star. And that's why it happened. I don't know what's going on there. Well, I, I, um, as an influence of social media and the internet, as somebody who lives in a place that act, that also has an NBA all-star game starter in John Morant, the goat. Um, I can tell you that 50% of the voting is done by fans and then 25% by the media and then 25% by players. And so um, Andrew Wiggins did get a wild amount of fan votes, which helped. But um, he also had to be voted there in part by players and media. And uh, he got enough in that part of the voting to make him a, an NBA All-Star Game starter for the first time in his career. I believe an NBA All-Star yeah. for the first time in his career. And that means two players from that Kansas team um, – that might have won the national championship if they'd have stayed healthy. Might have. Maybe. Might have. Who won the year? Who won in five seconds or less? Who won the year that they were at Kansas in five? I don't even remember what year it is. Three. I don't know what year it was. Trivia time. Play along at home if you want. Louisville. The, no. The I don't answer re- is. Do a little drum, drum roll. UConn. Yeah. Prove it. Evan Ollie. It was that year. Good for there him. We go. um, a side note on what we got going on with this weekend. Praise for the SEC Big 12 Challenge matchup whole deal, okay? It breaks up a little bit of the league monotony. You on board with this, Parish? Non-conference games, end of January, middle of the season like they used to do. Yes. Teams are pulling up from the snout. Love it. I love it. It's great, right? I, I, I love uh, people uh, stepping out. Of, I lo- like I lo- Like, I don't think it – means much like who wins the sec big 12 challenge like i i, I don't know that that dare you i i've never thought about it like i dare you but i do like watching these games 
it's great. This is the ninth season the SEC and Big 12 have done this. If even there was just two more conferences that could do it either this weekend or maybe last weekend or the next weekend, just get a, just a little more flavor, a little more spice, be willing to just break up the conference play with just one non-conference game, it's great. This, again, if you go back and look in the 70s, 80s, and into the 90s, this was commonplace. Like Duke playing non-conference games into February uh, was was a common thing, and it's just because leagues have expanded from 16 league games to 18 now to 20, there's just not the space for it. But if you really want to make the space for it, you can. This has been doable for the SEC and Big 12 in part because the Big 12 and SEC uh, had not gone to 20-game league schedules. And the SEC, I think, is going to go to it, but it hadn't despite its league size overall, and I think it's, um, I think it's, I think it's a wonderful thing. By the way, the Big 12... The only conference in the country with all of its teams in the top 68 of the net rankings. Then again, the Big 12 only has 10 teams. And uh, the Big 12 as a conference, by the way, only has three losses outside the top two quadrants. Keep that in mind if you're a degenerate and looking to bet on SEC Big 12 games on the whole. As for this one particular, obviously it's the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, I don't think we're going to have Ty Ty Washington, although anything I guess could change. But I don't know if the expectation is that he's going to be on the floor here. Um Tough spot for Kentucky. Played at Auburn last weekend. Now it's at Kansas here. Next Saturday it will be at Alabama. Next home game on a weekend for the Cats will be against the Gators a couple of days before Valentine's Day. Because I don't know the status of Ty Ty Washington, and because I am a full-fledged believer in Ochai Abaji and have been for months, if not years, give me, give me Kansas to win and cover. I think that they'll have enough there. I really, really, really want this to be a great game, and I think it's got a good enough chance. Shibway going against McCormick. I want to see how, like, McCormick, this is a big boy kind of game. Uh, the line is three for KU. I'll take KU to win and narrowly cover. Yeah, I'll take Kansas minus three as well. What a – poor John Calipari. Got to go to Auburn one weekend. Kansas the next. Alabama the next. That's a lot to ask of a man. Game three, Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, number 18, Tennessee, at Texas, inside Rick Barnes Center. We'll name it after Rick. Kim Palm has it, Texas minus three. You can watch it on ESPN. Rick Barnes, back in Texas. That's right. That's Pretty nice. Cool, right? I love it. Yeah, and you know the SEC, Big 12, they wouldn't do this unless Rick was okay with it. They Absolutely. Wouldn't, yeah, they wouldn't send him there unless he said, no, it's cool, let's do it. And I I, I hope, I assume, he'll get a really warm welcome. He should. Yeah, yeah he will. I actually, when I went to the Texas-Gonzaga game to start the season and spent some time with Barnes and the staff, they had he had mentioned that uh, they were really looking forward to it and they were going to like do it right and all this stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see just how that, how that goes. Rick Barnes was tremendously successful at Texas. I don't have his wiki up in front of me. He either made the tournament all but one or all, but is it all but one? All, all but, but one. one year. He made it 16 out of 17 years, five sweet 16s, two elite eights, one final four in 2003, won the big 12, three different times. He only missed the tournament one time in 17 years and got fired. Well, that because there were some frust. Now, sometimes the fan base will get spoiled and frustrations mounted because only was it's a member. They really had it rolling there on the recruiting trail. Things like Kevin Durant not making the Sweet 16 and having all this talent and only making one Final Four. I think it just had kind of run its course there. But Rick Barnes, you know, 
has proved his value as a coach. There's no that, doubt about that, that. That that is what happened. Is there wasn't enough um, tournament advancement for yes. the fan base, and recruiting did fall off. Like they were. Um, I, I did a story one time, column something, where I was looking at like top fifty players from the state of Texas, and there was a little stretch there. I mean, Texas went through a phase where they were getting Kevin Durant, Tristan Thompson. Like, Tristan Thompson might not sound like much now. He was an elite-level recruit. Big-time uh, yes. big recruit. Um, they went through a phase where they were getting that done, and then they went through a phase where they, they weren't recruiting well in the state of Texas anymore. Like, uh, players were going to Kentucky, players were going to Baylor, players were going to Texas A&M. And so, like, a few years removed from it, it sounds crazy. Went to the tournament 16 times in 17 years and got fired. But in that moment, it, it did feel like it was time to do something else. This tough one, but you know what? I'm going to have a little fun here. Tennessee on the road, straight up, straight up win, which, make, which will make for uh, a little bit of an awkward deal there if, if Chris Beard can't, uh, can't win at home against the former coach because, oh, by the way, and we'll talk more about this on Sunday, uh, Beard's going to welcome in the former Texas coach, and then, oh, he will go on the road to Texas Tech on Tuesday. Uh, obviously, he desperately wants to win both of these, but at least one. doesn't want to go 0-2, and if you were to draft to Tennessee and go on the road against Texas Tech, it would be a little tricky. But you know what? What the hell? Give me it. Tennessee. Kennedy Chandler has a wonderful game. Fulkerson uh, is the best player on the floor. Balls win by two. Does it concern you at all that Tennessee is 2-3 and three in road games this year? I, I did consider that before making this pick, but you know what? It concerns me, and I'm tossing that concern right out the window. Get it out of here. Only road wins at Colorado and at Vanderbilt. I can't trust him. It's my little homie from Memphis, Kennedy Chandler, but uh, I got to take Texas at home inside the Rick Barnes Center. I'll take Texas. I'll lay the points. Game four. Sunday. Noon Eastern. Number 16, Ohio State. At number six, Purdue. Inside, like, what did I do? Looks like it's paining you to even talk about this game right now. No, I don't feel well. It turns out you, if you don't sleep and you work from yeah. the moment you get up to the moment you go to sleep and then barely sleep, if you do that multiple days in a row, it takes a toll on you. I'm struggling right now, dead leg. Having trouble. Sunday, noon Eastern. Number 16, Ohio State at number six, Purdue. Inside Caleb Swanigan Arena. Kim Palm has it. Purdue minus nine. You can watch it on CBS, America's most watched network. It's a network of stars. EJ Liddell, 24 points, a career best, 15 boards, along with five assists in Ohio State's win against Minnesota on the road on Thursday night. Buckeyes coming along just nicely, and we might just have to give Chris Holtman a little credit for an we don't wait too much longer here. Buckeyes on a three-game win streak. They are 13 and four with a six and two mark in the Big Ten. This is your CBS game. I will be on CBS Sports HQ talking about this game on Sunday. So if you'd like to peek in, I think I might go with the Counting Crows album backdrop for this one. I've already brought the vinyl up in advance of that HQ hit. I think being that this is going to be on the road, Purdue is looking pretty solid. Um, they just, you know, they, they went on the road and they were able to handle Iowa with some ease. Nine points is a lot. Man, EJ Liddell's good. He's damn good. He's second in Ken Palm right now, K-Poy rankings. Ken Palm Player of the Year. Second! I don't know if he's the second best player in America, but he is close to first-team All-American status. Just does so many things. 
Uh, yeah, Buckeyes cover. I can't. I almost feel like this gets weird and Purdue wins by 16 and we talk Sunday night. And it's like, this is why you will never count out Purdue to win the national championship this season when we get to the tournament because look how awesome they look. I can see that, but I'm going to go against my instinct there. Ohio State keeps it lower scoring. It covers, but Purdue wins with a little bit of ease. So, like, Purdue somewhere else. You know, thinking like 79-74 Boilermakers, Ohio State covers. That number is disrespectful to Chris Holtman. It's Chris Holtman. Yeah. You're giving Chris Holtman nine points? What? I hear you. But I feel like I got to lay the points with Purdue because I got to go opposite you somewhere. Can't close the gap if I agree with you every time. Right. So I'm laying nine points with Purdue. But I don't feel great about it. And I apologize in advance to Chris Holtman. All right, other game before we get to, uh, we're going to pick Marquette Providence, but as custom, I want to give you a few other games to be uh, aware of. They're all Saturday. Friday night, you get a nice night off here, unless you're absolutely diehard. There's nothing of like true national importance or relevance, so Friday is a, is a freebie. Saturday, in chronological order, LSU at TCU is a noon Eastern ESPN2 tip. If TCU is going to be a viable NCAA at-large candidate, needs to win this game at home against a... Uh, Struggling Bayou Bengals group as of late. Keep an eye on that. I think it could be a little bit squirrely. Two Eastern, we've got three tips that you need to watch. This is a multi-screen kind of situation going on. Oklahoma is at Auburn. Now, Oklahoma finally did something right for its resume because the Sooners were spiraling, but were able to get out of that uh, this week with a win at West Virginia, which, by the way, is also having its own issues. The Mountaineers have dropped four straight. Life in the Big 12, what do you want me to say? You're just we're gonna look up every six days and there's gonna be a team that's lost four in a row or five of six. Now it's West Virginia's turn after Oklahoma had that deal. I just want to see how Auburn responds at at home after going lemon booty on the road against Mizzou and see if the Tigers can maintain that number one spot in the ranking. So again, that is a two Eastern tip on ESPN. On ESPN two at the same time, those same struggling Mountaineers now have to go on the road play against uh, Arkansas, which started strong against a week schedule, then dipped, and it's now back. 15-5 and five overall. The Hogs have won five consecutive games. In that mix, the best one is a road win against LSU. Three of the five have been at home, and now it gets West Virginia at home. That's a really nice spot because the next ones after this are at Georgia, home to Mississippi State, and then there's a biggie against Auburn in the second week of February. So again, Saturday, 2 Eastern, ESPN2. You've got the Hogs hosting West Virginia. And then another 2 o'clock tip, Xavier Creighton on Fox Sports 1. Creighton getting to a point here where it's going to need to pick off a pretty big win if it wants to maintain at-large status overall. And then Creighton, I mean, uh, Xavier was unable to, to hold serve on its home floor. It's dropped back-to-back games, lost at Marquette and to Providence. Now it's got to go on the road and play Creighton. Uh, the line for that game is going to be something like, you know, one point favorite for either one there. Big game for uh, for the Jays. As you move on into the afternoon, three more to know about. Oklahoma State at Florida. Just keep an eye on Florida. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State's not eligible for the tournament. Gators have been trouble as of late and not in a good way, in a bad way for Mike White and his program there. That's a home game, ESPN 2, 4 o'clock. 6 o'clock, you're going to have Mississippi State at Texas Tech. Mississippi State almost just picked off Kentucky in overtime on the road, and Iverson Molinar was a boss. Texas Tech 
Is this a look-ahead game or not? As I mentioned before, they're going to host Texas in a matter of a few days here. Don't get caught looking ahead. I think this game is actually pretty vital to Mississippi State's at-large case. If it can peel off a win here, magnificent, high-end, top-10 road victory any team will have on its NCAA tournament dossier this this season, 6 o'clock Eastern ESPN2. And then Houston's awesome. We almost never talk about them because the American is trash. 8 o'clock ESPN2, they will play at UCF. Now, UCF is respectable enough. Houston right now sits at 6-0 in the American. I don't think it's losing more than one league game this season. So it's either going to be here, at SMU, at Memphis to close the season. That might be it. Keep an eye. Those are the ones to know that we aren't picking. And then, obviously, my and one, as I mentioned earlier. Sunday, 1230 Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Delayed a game because of this bomb cyclone that's barreling upon the Northeast. Marquette at Providence. Friars are minus two on Chris Dunn Court. Who are you taking? Numbers too little. Numbers mm. too little. At the dunk? Mm. With the, with, you know how much I respect Marquette. I don't think you do. I have immense respect for Marquette. And I know that Marquette has won seven straight, and I know that Marquette just won at Villanova. So I'm not telling you you can't win at Providence if you just won at Villanova. I'm just saying I'll take Ed Cooley at home laying a small number. I think I remember people saying they hate that music. That's too bad because I control it and it's getting played. It's a good point. You're making um, good points right now. I'm going to go with the Friars as well. Woo! Marquette wins this one, buddy. I can see it happening too, but no, give me the Friars at home. Dunk should be phenomenal on Sunday for this game. Teeing right before the AFC NFC Championship game. So we agree. We are both going to take Providence to win that. I'll dial down this music right now. And uh, let's uh, let us let the listeners know as we get out of here. And we really went over an hour again. We got to stop doing that. Well, you know, you, you got on your Sydney Sweeney takes, and it's just, I, I, I got to get out of the way. Hey, you, hey, you should Google her. She'll be in the no context preview. I don't know what Woo! she looks like. Can I, can, I, can, I, can I pick the picture? You can, I'll send you my phone. You can send me the picture, and then I will have editorial discretion as to whether or not the picture makes the final four and one. But, yes, send it I'll to s- me. I'll send you my favorite. I'll get it up. Um, we have the NFC and AFC championship. Strike that. Reverse it. We have the AFC and NFC championship games on Sunday. There are no games of relevance in men's college basketball. However... My man GP's got to get his hacks in. All right? He's desperate to go out and shoot a 104 on Sunday morning at his precious golf course. So the plan here is we're going down for the third consecutive Sunday. We're doing a few others dare. Head to head with the NFL. Let's go. We've actually had really strong viewership numbers in all earnesty and sincerity. Thank you. Like it's kind of speaks to the ratings aren't even close. Let's me, let me be clear, but we do have a strong faction of listeners that are willing to either second screen it with us in live time on the podcast. And since there's no relevant games and we're not going to make you wait until, you know, 1030 at night on Sunday when all the games, the Ohio state and Purdue and Marquette Providence. Those are the only like big games on Sunday. So the plan is three forty-five Eastern start time, right about then, maybe a couple minutes before, maybe a couple minutes after, if it's a couple minutes after you'll know why. Yeah. 
you'll know you'll know why why can't i do this the right way <laughs> um the camera's got me all twisted but 345 eastern live podcast recap the weekend we're gonna go early we will be will be in conflict with Bengals chiefs chiefs are winning this game by like 20 points though my man so what? that is our sunday podcast if you're used to watching us later in the evening if you're on the east or central time zone uh, we will be earlier than normal because there's the college basketball schedule. There's no point in waiting. So I just wanted to give the heads up on that. If you listen as usual, again, orally, then listen whenever the hell you want. But if you want to watch live and chat and comment, that's when we're going. It's a tough spot on Sunday. You either going head to head with the NFL or head to head with Sydney Sweeney. What is a tough that's spot? Where, actually, this is the store. I didn't even realize. That's why we're not going late. We're yeah. not going late because you want to watch Euphoria. So yeah, I have to get I have to get settled in. I got to have the podcast behind me get settled in for Euphoria. Sunday nights are tough. They are tough, but it's that time of the year, man. Bills and Chiefs had forty-two million viewers, and we went head to head with it voluntarily. We did. <laughs> we really did. We're not afraid of anything. Ain't scared. We're not scared. The best belief we're going heads up with the Oscars. Right. Okay. Actually, we might want to do that this year. Feels like the buzz isn't there for the Oscars. I don't know. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have a, a grasp on such things. Are we ready to go? You, as long as you got that Baylor name, let's go. I got it. I found one. Shouts to David Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to John Hurd. Legend. Shouts to Lar now. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Woo! Woo! Boy, I ain't never seen one like this, dead leg. Did you see Evangeline Lilly was trending yesterday? No. You don't know Evangeline Lilly? I do. I still uh I'm still I'm still a lost fan, even if uh even if the series was flawed. Do you ever have a problem with uh, you watch a whole series? Like like I watched Lost, you bring it up. Evangeline yeah. Lilly, Among the Stars. I don't remember anything about it. Oh, I do. Yeah, solid show. I best, don't re- best season one in the history of television, as far as I'm concerned. Like, it's, it just it, it had, it was doing things in the most addictive television series, especially like the first two seasons ever. Yeah. I just can't, re- re- I can't retain, re- I can't retain television shows. I watch them and I enjoy them and then I forget them. Okay. Might need to look into that. Right. Anyway, Evangeline Lilly was trending yesterday. You can Google that. When we're done here, Google Sydney Sweeney first. Yeah, and then, send me the photo and then. If and then Google. Clears Evan- customs. It'll be in the no context. Oh, I'm going to send you my favorite. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, five stars at both at Apple Podcasts, you can actually write a review, and you should. There's more of us than there are of them. Don't ever forget that. Don't let them try to tell you otherwise. There's more of us than there are of them. If you're here on YouTube, if you haven't already, please smash the like button. Brandon Davies will do it. He risked a trip to the Final Four to smash. You're not risking anything. Smash the like button. Make sure you subscribe, and we're going to talk to you again on Sunday. Till then, take care.
What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four the podcast so you don't miss a thing.